Common Roots Rising is cultivating community through conversations. We are integrating innovative ideas, relationships, and connections while raising creativity and collaboration. Today we're talking with Kelly Adlington. Kelly is from Rising Sand Organics, and today we're learning more about the curbside compost collection service they offer in Stevens Point. Kelly, can you tell me what is the curbside compost collection program? Yeah, so with the curbside compost service, we pick up five-gallon buckets that have special lids. Um, it's screw on and off really easily from people's homes and businesses in the area. And we also, um, I think within the last year, maybe year and a half, um, started picking up larger containers from some businesses. Uh, we call those brutes or bins. They're 32 gallons. So for larger food waste generators, we, we give them those larger bins instead. What is your uh, service area? We work mostly in Stevens Point, I would say the greater Stevens Point area. Um, we do have a few addresses kind of sprawled out towards the south side of town in Clover. Um, I'm hoping this year to expand our collection in a greater density in that part of the town, that part of area. So i um, looking forward to that. And, um, and I meant to say a minute ago, too, that we, we pick up those buckets and fruits once a week. And some customers choose to get picked up every other week, and then we bill monthly through PayPal. If someone is interested in signing up for this program in Stevens Point, how do they do so? They go to our website, which is risingsand.com, and there is a tab for compost or a page for for compost. It should be on the homepage, and you can click on that, and that's where we have our PayPal sign-up. Um, and if you are a business and you generate maybe more than, so for businesses, we get, we give them five buckets and they're five gallon buckets. So it's five by five, it's 25 gallons of waste per week. Um, but for businesses that generate more than that, you know, we would, I would ask that you reach out to me directly so we can come up with a, a plan of action for your needs. Um, but for homes, people that live in apartments, um, it's just the one five gallon bucket. They sign up on the website, pretty straightforward. You get an email from me telling you how it works and what to do and what you can and can't put in your bucket, um, which day you'll get picked up and you go from there. So, and then once a week you pick up from, is this at the same time as their recycling and garbage pickup or is this at a different time or is it, when, when do you do the pickups? We're mostly on Thursdays right now. So Thursday mornings, um, it would be neat if we could coincide with their garbage or recycling pickup, but that would, you know, different neighborhoods have different pickup days and it would be like, in my opinion, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> so we just do Thursdays mostly right now. Um, we're looking at expanding into a couple of other days, but that remains to be seen once we, um, do our big marketing push this year. Right. <laughs> so, so then do people just put it out on their curb and you drive and pick it up? So... Yep, the bucket has to be visible and accessible from the road in order for us to swap it out. Because we, we don't, and I guess I didn't explain that, but we don't just dump the bucket. We actually replace it with a clean, empty one. Um, oh. So people will get like a fresh bucket every week or every other week when they pick up, which is pretty convenient. I thought about maybe changing the service to just dumping buckets, but I think a lot of folks prefer the, like the reason they, they do it is for the convenience of having a clean bucket. So, um, yeah, but the bucket has to be visible and accessible from the road. It's usually right at the edge of somebody's 
driveway or if they're in an apartment, perhaps with the sidewalk or parking lot or something. And um, that's pretty much the expectation for all of our customers. So how did you personally get interested in composting? I think it's been in me <laughs> uh, the whole time and my whole life. I think there's just always been some of that uh, interest within me. I, I was really in, curious and interested in recycling in high school. And then I came to UWSP for college and learned a ton about recycling and solid waste and resource management and really, really underwent a lot of changes <laughs> in my personal life and, um, you know, my, my own beliefs and ethics and whatnot. So composting kind of seemed like the ideal version of recycling. It was, it was like a, there was no way to really mess it up. And it's, it's so easy, you know, whereas recycling you have, you need some serious infrastructure and capital to, to recycle, like break that this certain material down and make it into something new. Um, composting is just something that happens because it's part of the life cycle here on earth. So, um, I think I was, I was piqued by that and, uh, pretty fascinated by that. And I, I went into school to study, uh, waste management and soil. And I took a, you know, you can either go wastewater or solid waste. So you can go to a wastewater treatment plants or end up working in a landfill or a recycling center or something. I took the solid waste track um, and focused a lot on organics management and composting stuff. Um, I worked for a nonprofit for five years while I was in school and then after college that focused on composting and composting education and stuff. So it just kind of was always the thing that made me feel grounded and like I was doing what I needed to be doing and um, it provided, you know, a, a, like an intellectual stimulation for me. I, I found it fulfilling in all the ways that I had it a part of my life. And so when I got involved with Rising Sand in the very beginning, before we even had that name, um, it seemed like it seemed like a pretty natural and exciting next step to to try and do it on like a you know. A, larger and more legitimate scale and um, try to fill a niche and provide something for this community that didn't already exist. Um, so, and it wasn't just my idea, you know, we talked a lot at our farm, beginning stages of our farm, we talked a lot about the finances of things and, and how we could um, kind of cut back on the money that we need to spend and compost was definitely a huge expense um, and it's like relatively easy to make. <laughs> So we thought, why don't we try to make some compost ourselves and source the feedstock from the community and see if we can make that work. So that's kind of how it started. So this intersection of your background in solids waste management and then becoming an organic farmer with a cooperative uh, um, rising sand organics kind of created this perfect opportunity for you to take this step and start the program. So um, you, are the, you are the founder of the program as well. Is, is that correct? You and the, and the team? From, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not comfortable taking, taking total credit for it. I think that it was the source of a few discussions and uh, conversations. And eventually, like, we determined that the, if it was going to happen, it needed somebody to kind of, you know, spearhead, lead the effort. And that's 
that is the position that I take. I've read, uh, you shared this a little bit back, that in uh, 2020, Stevens Point residents diverted over 30,000 pounds of food scraps from the landfill. And you collected all those? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I guess that's not technically true. We do have a drop site in town, a free drop site. So folks who don't want to pay for the service, they collect their scraps in their home with their own kind of container, and then they take it to that drop site and dump it into some bins that we have there. So that number does also include the, the stuff that we picked up from that one location, um, technically. <laughs> Well, so with your background in solid waste management, can you tell me why is it important to divert these food scraps from the landfill? Yeah, definitely. Um, so food scraps, uh, waste of food, food waste, it's made of carbon. There's like carbon-based materials in it. And it comes from the earth. It's biodegradable. It's all based on, it's based in um, plants and other living organisms that exist here. So um, it has the capacity to break down and be restored back to the earth. Um, and when we when we don't do it that way, when we don't take that route, and we instead and we instead send this organic material to the landfill for disposal, what happens is that the landfill is basically like you can kind of think of it as like a big plastic bag. Like everything that goes inside of it, there's not a bottom to it. It's just it's enclosed, and then eventually it's going to get closed at the top. And it's just going to seal it off. And so it's just going to be this, this sealed container of stuff. And um, in order for compost to happen, you need oxygen. It is an aerobic process. It means that oxygen is involved and it's necessary. So when you don't have that oxygen, you have an anaerobic environment. And that's what a landfill is. And it's an anaerobic environment. There's, there's a lack of oxygen. There's no presence of it. And when that happens, organic material, instead of breaking down into a valuable resource that just kind of uh, deteriorates and off-gasses methane and produces methane, uh, which is a greenhouse gas. And it is a few dozen times more detrimental to our environment than carbon dioxide is. So that's one technical reason is that it, it, it can actually have pretty negative effects on our environment by via pollution, essentially. Um, methane gas and a lot of it's, it's good to know a lot of landfills these days collect methane um, and use it as a resource um, that's what you would call you know cng compressed natural gas um, and some people really advocate hard for that for that use um, i don't believe that that is that resource's highest and best use and and what is its highest and best use is something that does not take millions and millions of dollars of infrastructure and operating costs and maintenance and um, labor to maintain, which is a landfill. Um, not to mention the other huge benefit of composting instead of landfilling, which is that you create, you, you can basically create soil fertility, which is something that we're kind of in a crisis of right now, the last several decades and probably for a while now. Um, we, we, it's really important to maintain the health of our soils. And so by composting, you're creating a fertilizer. It's basically a fertilizer soil amendment that um, brings nutrients and oxygen and moisture and organic matter and all of these really critical features of a healthy soil. You can, you can create that by 
aerobically decomposing <laughs> seed scraps, compost, um, and and that's what, that's what you can make with it. And as as for organic farming, you know that's a an imperative piece of any organic farming operation is compost. And anybody growing at their home, um, you really you can't just grow. You can, but you're gonna find little success if you just grow in soil without some kind of soil amendment. And so compost is. You know, especially when you can do it at your home, something that you can have complete control over and you can be very self-sufficient if you're able to make your own compost and grow your own food. And, um, it really just, it really just makes sense. You know, the landfills are not, it's not like we want to be filling up all of the land we have available with, with our garbage. Um, they're not, it's not like they're all going to last forever. Um, uh, something I learned in school, you know, I'll keep, landfills really get a bad rap. And I understand why, but they are, landfills are engineered and they are safe for the most part. You know, they, people who, who design and operate landfills know what they're doing. Um, but it's just not the place for organics. It just, they just don't belong there <laughs> because we can do other things with that resource. And, and that's what it is. And interestingly, Wisconsin has actually banned um, yard waste from landfills, which is why a lot of municipalities have draft sites or pickup days for, um, you know, to brush and debris and stuff like that from your lawn. Um, and so that to me just goes to show that like on some level it is recognized that organic matter like that shouldn't, shouldn't go. It does not belong in the landfill and food scraps. It's just like, it's the next step, but it's like kind of messy. It's a little bit more complicated and there's more of like a, an ick factor to it. And so we haven't really gotten there in a large widespread scale yet, but um, it's really just what makes sense. <laughs> I also read in one of your uh, graphics that you shared that it is estimated that 30 to 40% of the food supply is wasted and you are collecting some of that waste and, and, um, composting it or, or, or basically recycling it into into soil um so in a landfill it really it doesn't it does it just doesn't really get used right yeah it doesn't get used it's a wasted resource that way that that creates a negative impact on our environment by the methane that is produced and even though some landfills can collect that methane there's still there's still what you, what you call surface emissions um, of methane and it's not it's not all 100% can be collected that way just because it's just the nature of that type of work um, and also something that I wanted I want to add before I forget is that um, depending on where you are and what kind of stream of garbage it is um, the numbers can change but I, I believe and I don't know the exact number but I believe for municipal solid waste which is garbage that gets picked up at our curbs every week in any given city or town, like 25 to 40% of that is organics. Um, and so if we were to divert that percentage from the landfill, you know, the conventional waste stream that eventually ends up at the landfill, uh, we could save a lot more in terms of resources. Uh, if, like if you can just imagine like all the garbage trucks around town having like 25 to 40% less material in them, like how much longer could they make it on a route? And like how much space, like we've already said, would we save in the landfill? Um, so it, it, I, yeah, 
<laughs> there are a lot of reasons and they all add up to it just being the most practical thing to do, really. Yeah, I can, I can tell you out, out here in we're rural Wapaka County and we don't have our own or we, we don't contract for garbage and recycling service. We actually take it and drop it off. And by composting and recycling, we create very little garbage. Um, it, it's a pretty small amount. And I'm always, as a, uh, an herb farmer, uh, growing in a lot of sand, uh, which some of our plants love, but I'm always looking for more organic matter to add to my, my garden. So can you tell me, what happens with this um, with this compost that you collect? Where where is it going? Where you, where do you where do you take it, and what are you doing with it? Right now, we are kind of splitting our loads between white feather organics and our farm rising sand organics. And in the very beginning, when we started this, um, almost maybe three years ago in June, uh, we partnered with the white feathers because we were just we had just bought our own land. Uh, we didn't really have, we didn't have the equipment to manage large compost piles or windrows. Uh, and it just, it wasn't the right time for us. And so we, in the very beginning, partnered with the White Feathers so that we had a reliable processor that could take all of the material every single week and turn it into compost. Um, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, we started composting at our own land also. Uh, a little bit more serious and regular fashion. And uh, so that's why now we've been splitting pretty much half and half between us and White Feathers. Um, and that's been really great and really fun. We got a little bobcat skid here. And that's what I use to push things around, lift it all up, rearrange. We're taking temperatures very consistently. Um, and it's really fun to see that, especially like the last month or so, it's been really fun to like stick a thermometer into a pile that looks frozen because it's covered in snow and I, and I kick it with my boot and it's hard, it's solid. But then you get that thermometer all the way into the center and that, and that needle just like jumps right up. goes real fast all the way to like 140. Um, and that's really cool to see. Um, so we've been working on that and the intention with the compost that we make is to use it on our farm. We could use it for any number of reasons, for our vegetables, for the perennials that we're establishing in the, on the land, um, flower beds around the property. Uh, we have a huge need for compost because we grow for a lot of families in our CSA and the farmer's markets and some wholesale customers. So we use a lot of compost every year. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the day that we can sell it, that we are making so much that it, it you know, we have an excess. A lot of people ask about buying our compost and, and I'm, I'm looking we're not there yet but I'm looking forward to the day when I can say yeah here's the day like <laughs> we're gonna have it bagged up and ready for you on April 23rd um, so I'm looking forward to that in the future well I, th I think you told me the last time we talked that you are working on expanding the compost program in Stevens Point can, so can you tell me about that and can you tell me why should people sign up for composting yeah uh, so the plan is to kind of make some different pushes on social media. Uh, we also had some yard signs in the mix, getting ready to, to print some of those soon. And 
I'm hoping that we can grow the number of families that we have composting curbside with us in Stevens Point. Um, and like I said, kind of on the south side towards Clover, I'd like to increase our customers over there as well. Um, we have, um, I should have looked at the number before we started talking, but it, we have about like 80 to 90 customers, residential customers, and they get a variety a variety of like a pretty even mix, I think, actually at this point between weekly and every other week pickup. And it's really fun when there's like another, like there's a new customer that signs up on the same street. It's like a customer we've had for a while and it's two buckets in the same street. But I'm really looking forward to having the whole street have their buckets out on their pickup day. Um, you know, the whole block, two compost, curbside composters with us. And um, I'll say that's, that's just because that's a, a, a visible, easy way for me and other people to know that this community is diverting a lot of its organic from the landfill. Um, but if, if like half of the houses on that block actually have a compost in their backyard, that is awesome. And I would never try to convince somebody to do anything other than that. Uh, managing our own organic waste in our own, in our own way with ourselves on our own property is really the most sustainable thing to do. Um, but for anybody who doesn't have space for that in their life, <laughs> that's what we're doing. That's, that's what we're trying to provide. So I'm hoping that we can get a lot more buckets on streets all around town here from homes. And um, we can be making a lot of compost that we can hopefully give back to the community in various ways. I'd love to supply at a farm shed, uh, you know, community gardens in the area. And of course, people in their homes. Um, it would be a great new way for this business to sustain itself to be able to sell a product would be pretty uh pretty critical to that um but also just being like a locally made compost from this very community i think that would be really special so can you tell me what are the most common things you collect in your compost buckets oh boy a lot of banana peels a lot of greens. Um, we collect everything. We take all food waste. So we'll take your fruits and vegetables and also meat products, uh, bones, processed foods like breads, um, eggshells, coffee grounds, coffee filters. Um, we take all food waste. So anything that people have in their homes that they were going to eat and then forgot about in the back of the fridge and then got all moldy and bad, that can go in their bucket. Um, if they've got, you know, made a chicken stock and they picked all the meat off and like jarred up all the stock and now they just have the remains and the carcass, we can take that. Um, and I think a lot of people find that to be a huge benefit because they've been, people have been taught to not compost meat products and dairy products in their backyard. And there is a reason for that. It's like pretty, well, it's easy to make compost. It's also really easy to ignore your compost. And if you ignore your compost, but you have a bunch of meat in it, you're going to attract a lot of um, probably critters you don't really want in your backyard. Probably your neighbors don't want them either. So that's why that's uh, a narrative that's out there. But the truth is that you can, you know, you can compost anything that comes from the earth, and you can do it in your backyard if you pay attention to it and take care of it. But a lot of people either don't know that or don't want to pay that attention. So the fact that we can take meat and other processed foods, I think, is pretty pretty neat. To people. Um, I'm trying to think your question was what do we get in our buckets and what do you off most often see and what so let me ask you this um what are some of the things that people throw in compost buckets that are not acceptable 
stickers, like on oranges and apples. An orange peel will still have a sticker on it, or an avocado rind will still have a sticker on it. I see a lot of avocados with stickers. Um, Swiss ties. Some people, I, I imagine, put like a bundle of herbs in a cup in your fridge or something and then forgot about it and uh, just grab the bundle and put it in the compost without taking the twist tie off. Um, sometimes we get packaged foods still, like something. Um, there's like a package of meat that somebody forgot about and soon just like threw it in the bucket without taking it out of the packaging. Um, sometimes we get some really random things that I assume are accidents, like a metal fork. <laughs> Or uh, like a little plastic, looks like a scraper, like for your dishes. So random things like that that I'm sure are just accidents because those are, you know, useful things anyway. Um, I got a, found a sock once, which maybe could be compostable if it's, you know, 100% cotton sock. But a lot of things are made with um, polyester or like the, the stretchy stuff that I can't think of what it's called right now. So uh, I took that one away. <laughs> What are the most surprising things that you found in the in your compost collection bucket? The most surprising thing. Um, the most surprising thing I found in the bucket. A, I found a glass jar once, like a pasta jar. That one I was I was a little missed when I found that one because <laughs> that's just kind of dangerous, you know. Like the buckets get tossed around and dumped out, and so it could have shattered and kind of uh, been a little hazardous in that way, but. That one was, that was the, I haven't seen glass jars since then. Um, the sock was pretty funny. A lady, a lady asked once if she could put mice, dead mice in her bucket. Cause she was like catching them in her house and didn't want to just throw them in the garbage. Um, and was wondering if she could put them in her bucket. And I told her like, I, if I were you, I would probably just throw them outside. I don't, cause I didn't know how she caught them. You know, if they had been poisoned or, um, Right. I didn't really want to mess with that, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you had like a pet mouse that you took, a care, took good care of and didn't poison or feed any weird stuff, you compost that. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's probably the weirdest stuff. Um, nothing too crazy, I suppose. It's like stickers and twist ties and uh, rubber bands and that stuff is pretty continuous. So it's an ongoing battle to remind folks that they should take that stuff off before they throw anything away. And really a better routine to get into would be to take those stickers off as soon as you bring that stuff home from the store, you know. Um, do you, with through Rising Sand, do you provide any compost education for what people are, when they sign up, what should they throw in their bucket? I send out an informational email to folks with like their pickup day and then, I'm the person they ask questions to and what they can and can't put in their bucket. And I try to keep those emails kind of concise because I want to make sure that people actually read the information that's there. And if they get too long, it becomes less likely. Um, so I try to keep it pretty brief, but informative. And then every, I'm trying to get on a more consistent basis with it, but I take pictures of things um, whenever there's like a lot of, twist ties or stickers or, or garb, other kinds of garbage, I'll take pictures of that stuff and then send it out with the next reminder email to say, hey, please remember to, you know, take this, don't include this stuff in your bucket. Um, so that's really the extent of the education that we offer to our residential customers. 
we were working with a couple of schools last year, uh, 2019, 20, the fall of 19 into March of 20, right before, right when COVID happened is when we stopped. But we were working with the school, with two schools then. And um, I was kind of figuring out the type of education that was needed uh, to inform the students and faculty on site about what was acceptable and unacceptable. So it's definitely something that needs education and outreach invested into the process for sure. Um, it's been an interesting, it's been interesting to try and figure out the balance between doing the actual physical pickup and then also providing the education to make sure that we're getting the, the stream of material that we need. So um, like I said, it's an ongoing, ongoing battle, ongoing process, probably a better way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then if you have an educated public, then they're composting more and it makes your work easier and you can even do more wonderful composting work. And so, and, you know, I would, we would certainly be happy with Common Roots Rising to share more community education as things are, are rolling out with community to let them know, which of course is what we're doing right now by letting people know about the composting program. So can you tell me again, where can people learn more information about the Stevens Point Compost Collection Program and signing up? You can go to risingsand.com, and that's our website, and you can find the compost tab on the homepage there. And there's a, I got to work on the website still, but there's some information there, but that's where we have our sign-up form. And if you want to talk with somebody about it, it would probably be me. And you can send me an email. I'm Kelly. My name is spelled K-E-L-L-Y. So you can send an email to me, kelly at risingsand.com. And then we can have a little back and forth if you want about that. Um, and also we have a Facebook page and an Instagram. And uh, really the main education that I'm trying to do consistently is to put out stuff on social media. Um, share the pictures that I take of buckets I dump that have a bunch of stickers and stuff and make those posts on Facebook. Um, so you can definitely find information there about the compost service as well. I'm hoping that lots of people are gonna sign up this spring for your expanded compost collection program in Stevens Point. And is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today? Composting is really easy. If you feel like you want to keep your scraps out of the landfill, but you can't afford the service or you just don't want to do it, um, you can also feel free to reach out to me about that because I would be so pleased to help you figure out a way to have a compost pile in your own backyard. Like I said before, that's the most sustainable way to manage our waste is really doing it ourselves. And I would love to try and help you set that up. So um, I'm not, I would never be offended by somebody telling me that they didn't want to, you know, pay for the get the service and, and have a bucket with us because it's very easy to do at home. And I would love to help people figure that out. Um, if you're interested and you want to talk about it more, totally just get in touch. It's possible that we would have volunteer opportunities later this year. If you wanted to help out, do kind of like a work share thing for compost instead of pay for it. Um, and we also, of course, always have the free drop site and that's located on Union Street in Stevens Point, um, pretty much behind the old shop house between Portage and Center Point. And we have usually one or two yellow bins there for people to dump stuff into um, whenever they, you know, their convenience. 
So that's really all I think I'd have to say. Get totally feel free to get in touch. Facebook, Instagram, send me an email. Um, and if you want to benefit, and if you want to benefit from the lovely food that is grown with this compost. What? How can people connect with Rising Sand? I know you said the website, but you have CSA. What are the kind of things that people can get from Rising Sand? Yeah, I, w- I also I, I put plugs into my compost emails this time of year too. It is CSA sign up season, so if you're looking for some regularly um, provided organic vegetables, that is something that we do, and we're kind of talking about scaling back. CSA this year, so it'd probably be better to sign up sooner than later if you're able to do that. Um, and you can do that at the same website, risingstand.com, and there will be a tab for CSA. And if you want to just get in touch with me to ask questions about the CSA, I can help with that also. Um, but yeah, vegetables, um, I like to think that we, we put together some pretty nice boxes. People are usually pretty happy with them. We also are at the farmer's market. If you don't want to commit to a CSA, you can certainly visit our stand at the farmer's market every Saturday this year. We do continue to sell to um, some stores in Appleton. We have CSA members in Appleton as well. When does the Saturday market start in Stevens Point? Do you know? As soon as people have stuff to sell, you can bet they're going to be on the square on Saturday morning. Um, Saturdays are usually the best days to go when the most folks are there vending, but really it's open every day of the week. Um, I guess probably May, mid to late May. Um, You'll probably see people there regularly. But it gets really bumping in like July. When the, the bounty of, of vegetables and, and things are, are, are available to buy. So thank you very much for being such a big compost advocate for Stevens Point and uh, bringing the compost program to the area. I know uh, thanks to your uh, inspiration, we're looking at starting a Wapaka composting program as well because we have some people that are really interested and some farmers over here that can use the compost as well so that's another thing that we're looking at so we look forward to watching your progress and your compost program growing and you know getting our vegetables from rising sand this summer and um, thank you again for for joining us yeah thanks for having me Michael. Thank you for listening to Common Roots Rising. You can learn more about how we are cultivating community at commonrootsrising.org. Thank you.